Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. That's Joe. (laughs) And we're coming to you live from our studio. So we've always had this studio. We just never use it. Yeah, it's like right down the hall from <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, it's right down the hall from we're us. We're too lazy to walk Yeah, we typically <laughs> do these in our office. And so we've got better lighting. We've got better sound. You know, we're we're upgrading the I've got outs- my growth 10 shirt on. Yeah, you've got a collar on. Yeah. So do I. We're actually wearing pants today, too. It's you can amazing. believe that. We're, we're upgrading things around here. So outside <laughs> the tank, it's continuing to be more uh, polished and and I sounding that, better, looking better. No, well, I worse. Say polished. No, no, the production is not us. Okay, you and I are still. Uh, we are. How what would we you are. describe us? Um, cantankerous. <laughs> What's that I mean? love that word. I, I don't, don't know. know. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I hope it's something nice and positive. No, cantankerous is like we, uh, you know, we're a little bit weird. Well, that's fair. <laughs> We like to have fun with each other. All right. So quick reminder, some housekeeping. There's two ways that we can help our listeners. Um, If you're an entrepreneur that's growing your business and you want to be around other entrepreneurs that are growing their business, we can help you. We'll throw you into mastermind, monthly meetings, access to our full Growth 10 community. If you're interested in that, just email us, tom at growth10.com, joe at growth10.com. You don't need to fill out some big application. We'll just jump on a quick call and have a conversation with you. And if we have a group that we think would be a good fit for you, we'd love to put you in there. So tom at growth10.com, joe at growth10.com. Now, if you're, what do we call them? Experts. Yeah. Uh, seasoned, entre- seasoned, seasoned entrepreneurs. Seasoned entrepreneurs. We put people, season salt on yes, them. Yes. <laughs> people with some entrepreneurial wins uh, yeah. that want to mentor other entrepreneurs, that want to give back, that want to share their wisdom and expertise. If you've ever thought about doing a formal mastermind group with other entrepreneurs, we can help you. Yep. We bring really talented people on. We train them on how to build and run really, really high-performing mastermind groups. So if you ever had the urge to build a group, Tom at growth10.com, Joe at growth10.com, let us know. We'll you know set up a quick call. We'll tell you you know kind of our model and how we do things. And if it's a fit, great. You know we always are looking for talented people that want to help younger entrepreneurs grow. It, faster. it always makes me giggle when someone emails or calls and we pick up the phone and talk to them and they say, "Oh my God, you're real people!" And you actually pick up your phone, return emails, and talk to people. But yeah, we do that all day. We love entrepreneurs. Joe. The baby boomer picks up his phone. The, mill- the millennial doesn't pick up his phone. I hit decline as quickly as I can if I don't know the number. So if you want to talk to someone, call Joe. I'll talk to anyone. Uh, yes, he will. That's true. All right. Let's get down to business. Buckle Me Baby Coats, Season 12, Episode 7, air date of December 4th, 2020. So not that long ago. This no, is relatively no. new. Um 100,000 for 10% is the ask. So the valuation of the company is at a million dollars. Essentially what this does is it puts a winter jacket um, on a child, but there's a buckle component for safety when they're in their car seat, 
right? So it keeps them strapped in um, in a safe way. Uh, there is a utility and um, foundational patent. Yeah, that's the first time I've heard of that. Utility patent, foundational patent. I okay. wrote down the same okay, thing. Okay, so that's, that's what I had yeah. for that. Um, landed cost of these things, 14 to $15 at the time of airing, and they were being sold for $60 to $100, or $60 to $100. Um, she had done 700,000 of sales in the past three years prior to airing. Um, in the year prior, which would have been 2019, uh, 500,000 of sales, 75% um, online, 25% big box. Um, apparently that hasn't changed at the time we were um, speaking. Uh, you know, she was open to selling to a co-company. Um, she was spending eight to 10,000 a month on paid advertising. And she went into Shark Tank looking for a strategic partner, she said. So what in the heck happened? Well, uh, by the way, she had no investors. She had done, I think, a, a Kickstarter program, but uh, Lori actually loved her and felt that she didn't need a partner, so Lori went out pretty quickly. Uh, Cuban was out. Mark said, it's just not my category. Love it. You know. By the way, that's like the worst compliment you can get on Shark Tank. You have done an incredible job. <laughs> you do not need an outside investor. I, I think the world of you, I'm out. Well, wait, wait a second. What I just happened what, here? I don't know what it means, yeah. but they make it sound very lovely. Oh, thank you so much, you know. Yeah. Um, Barb made an offer. Uh, she wanted to really help her sell the business. Um, Mr. Wonderful loved the margins, but Damon offered kind of a hybrid solution with licensing, a licensing play involved, and she took Damon's offer. So there you go. Let's get into the interview. All right, we are here with Dahlia of Buckle Me Baby Coats. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Well, we, we are so excited to have you. We just uh, watched your pitch. Uh, you were great. You came across just fantastic and knowledgeable and likable. And start us off at the beginning. I know you mentioned some of it on the show, but where did the idea initially come from? And then how did you turn it into a business? So I was one of those parents who was like super paranoid about car seat safety in general. I went to put in my first car seat and I just couldn't get it in tight. So I did a lot of reading and I did a lot of research and I went to a couple of child passenger safety texts to learn how to do it the right way. It's, it's really not that simple. And so I was at a uh, car seat safety check one time with a friend and I was telling my friend, you should get your car seat checked. Chances are it's in wrong. So she got hers checked and then the tech was like, do you want to check yours too? And I'm not going to lie, I was a little smug about it. I'm like, honestly, I know mine's incorrectly. He's like, well, can I look? I'm like, have at it. So he looks at it. He's like, you're right, it is incorrectly, but you're not supposed to use a coat in the car seat. I'm like, what? Come, come again? And he goes, yeah, the puffy coat adds four inches of space under the harness. I'm like, but it's cold. What, you know, what are, what are you supposed to do? And he's like, take the coat off. I'm like, take take the coat off. Do you know how hard it was to get it on her in the first place? So I spent like a solid couple of months trying to do that, take the coat off and stuff. And it wasn't working for me. It wasn't working for her. She wasn't cooperative. And one day I was like, you know, if the zipper wasn't in the middle, this wouldn't be an issue. And that's really how I thought of it. Um, it was a while ago. I shopped it around to car seat manufacturers. None of, I mean, sorry, coat manufacturers. None of them were interested. And I was in the middle of, um, graduate school at the time for, for my master's and there just was no way to reach people. This is pre-Facebook. 
And so when Facebook rolled around and kind of exploded and my my private practice had stabilized, my kids were older, I'm like, let me, you know, make a coat and throw it on Facebook and see do people need it as much as I needed it. And it has gone completely bananas in the past three years. It's been pretty crazy. So when you now, yeah, there was some education with regard to the sharks, I think Mr. Wonderful and Cuban both said, we didn't know this was a problem. And I mentioned off air that I didn't know as a father, I didn't know it was a problem either because right. uh, I uh, raised a child in a sunbelt state where it was warm. So there was obviously some education necessary, but also one of the things you mentioned that I wanted to ask you about is you had been at this <laughs> for um, over a decade for I think 15, 16 years. So can you tell us a little bit about the feelings and emotions that went on as you were on this journey just to get the product to prototype and, and testing? So I wasn't really working on it for the 15 years. I spent a year trying to get coat companies interested in, and I really got really high up in some of these uh, major coat companies, and they just really were unilaterally disinterested. They're like, coats don't need to be redesigned for the car seat. I'm like, have you heard this rule? Have you tried to take a coat off of a toddler six times in one set of errands? Like, this is crazy. And they just really didn't care. So I, I had to set it aside, but it always sat right here. And what really prompted me to reopen the door was this day I was walking into work and this woman had her daughter wrapped in um, in a blanket. It was dragging through the slush. It was one of those disgusting days in March where you just wish spring was here. And she looked so miserable and defeated the way I felt when I first thought of it. And I'm like, this has to this has to happen. Like, this is just so ridiculous. The problem isn't the rules. The people think the problem is the rules. They think the rules are um, ridiculous, but the problem is the coat. Coats should be designed for the car seat. If coats are dangerous in the car seat, then coats should be designed for the car seat. And, you know, um, when I first heard about it, it, it kind of blew my mind that it was even an issue. But when I did the research and found that that space underneath the harness, even if you pull it really tight, even if it feels really tight, it compresses underneath the harness and it creates four inches of space. And the research has shown that as little as six millimeters of extra forward movement creates critical brain, neck and spine injuries because children's spines aren't fully hardened. It's mostly cartilage. So when they're thrown forward, the harness is supposed to keep them as close to the beginning point as possible. But when they're thrown forward with the coat on, they're moving through that four inches of space, their head is pulled forward their shoulders are pulled back and that's what creates that, that the injuries in the um, spine and neck. So you wanna keep that harness pressed right up against their chest and shoulders. You don't want all that puppy fabric there. So for those 15 or 16 years that the idea was just uh, lingering, sticking in your brain, you never gave up on it because you absolutely knew there was a need for it. But it's interesting to note that all those uh, corporate uh, suits. <laughs> none of them got this. They didn't. Uh, none of them cared. No. And I even reached out to them when I first started. When I first started, I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to do this. It's going to be a fun side hobby. I'm going to be selling like five or six coats out of my kitchen a, a day. Like that's phenomenal. Um, little did I know. And I, I that first year when it was kind of taking off, I reached out again. I'm like, hey, just so you know, this is still going on and, you know, people are interested, people are buying, what do you think? And they're like, you go girl. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll just do it myself. <laughs> so when you, these initial, I, I, I'm curious, 
you know, you said you put it on Facebook. What exactly did you put on Facebook? Did you build a prototype and post a video? Was it a series of posts? I'm just curious because I'm sure other people are listening to this with an idea of some sort, but you know, how do they get started in even seeing if there's any interest or if people get it like you do? I got really, I was really very fortunate because it was, like I said, when I first did it, I'm like, let me just see what happens. I didn't have a, a huge plan beyond, I think coats should be designed for the car seats. So I had a prototype made. I bribed my nephew with a ton of jelly beans to make a video with me. And I threw it on Facebook, not understanding Facebook advertising, not understanding production. And I'm like, these are coats for the car seat. And it just went nuts. Like it had hundreds of thousands of views within a week, thousands of comments. And people are like, where can I get one? I want one. I need one for this party or I need one for this, you know, bar mitzvah or this birthday or whatever. And I'm like, I don't have any. <laughs> I, have, I have this one. So I really cobbled together probably the worst Kickstarter campaign on earth, <laughs> like no planning, no strategy, and just threw it out there to start to capture all those people asking for um for, for orders until I had production lined up and I scrambled to get production as fast as I can. And it's just been rolling since. So what was the, the time frame then you, you post this, you know, video it was like December, January when I posted it. Okay. Um, and- I had a sample for some time and I was just kind of hanging on to it. And my sister's like, how long are you going to just have this be your little secret? Like, do you get a plan on tell people <laughs> or you just be like, I made a coat. It's so cool. And then what, you know, what did you go into Kickstarter asking for and what did you get? So I, um, I think I did the lowest tier. I I don't remember it anymore. It's about four years now, but I did the lowest tier just to try to capture sales. And I made, I made that I got, I hit the goal. So it was fully funded. Um, and most of the people that purchased that first time, they're still buying from me today. And I know all their names. It's it's actually been really cool getting to know them over the years. You mentioned going, you mentioned going to grad school. Did this have anything to do with business or is this a completely different area that you were studying and working in? I'm a mental health counselor. I treat PTSD. <laughs> so unrelated. <laughs> a, a question about raising it. At time of taping, you had no investors. You had bootstrapped this. I'm wondering, was that intentional? Did you intentionally say, I'm going to bootstrap this business and hold off with any friends or family or angel raise? Was it intentional or unintentional? So I did borrow money from family and did pay it back. Everyone has lives and everyone has their own finances. Um, I had a couple of investors approach me early on, but their vision and my vision were very different. You know, I don't have these coats set up as a sales gimmick. It's not a cash cow for me. It's a passion project. I think coats should be safe in the car seat. And as a sidebar, I would really like the coat companies to change their stance on how they design winter coats. Children's winter coats should be designed for the car seat, all of them, not just mine. Um, So every investor that's approached me was really looking at how much money can we make really fast and what what could be a quick exit and that mission part didn't really seem to be hitting their heart which i think is just very foolish so i always said no and just found ways to do it myself yeah good for you you 
said you wanted Damon. Um, is that did you go in there really targeting him, hoping that you'd be able to do a deal? And and what happened with the deal? Did everything go through? So I was hoping to either get Damon or Barbara, which w worked out really great because the, those are the two who made me offers. And when I was standing there, I was kind of like, well, I have offers from both of them. You know, now what? Like I was trying to think, should I try to get them both in at the same time, you know, together? But then you have to go through due diligence with two sharks instead of one. Due diligence is such a long process. And also, I mean, I've watched Shark Tank since the beginning. I know how it goes. And sometimes you think everything's going great and then you ask for something and it all goes right out the door. So you have to kind of walk in sometimes with that a bird in hand mentality. I'm like, well, they're both on the table. And if I ask them to both come in together, you know, the offer might not be as great. So, you know, I was kind of pausing. And what they don't show on the screen was at that point, um, Lori said to me, I can see you're really analytical and you're thinking if you want to take a minute and step outside and think about it, you can come back in. And I was like, no, no, I, I'm just going to go with Damon. Um, but he's the shark that I wanted. We've been talking, we've talked probably every every week. Um, we have a couple of different directions that we're talking through and um, working on to see what would pan out. Nothing's set in stone yet, but we are working together so far. And what happened in those first couple days following airing? Uh, what happened in terms of web traffic and orders and feedback that you received? What was your life like? It was insane. I mean, forget the first couple of days, just the first five seconds. Like, I, I think we answered a thousand customers, and I'm not exaggerating, a thousand customer service messages within that first hour and a half to two hours. We were up until probably three in the morning just responding to people because it was just coming in so fast that if you didn't keep up with it, you're not going to catch back up in any kind of meaningful way. Um, I wanted to get everything shipped within the within a day or two of, of airing. And so I did manage to do that. Everyone I've ever run into in my entire life reached out to me <laughs> at some point, like people from elementary school, you know, and you don't want to, you want to answer everybody, but it was like a whirlwind, honestly. Like, I think it took a solid month to catch my breath and I, they, they must still be re-airing it because I still get messages um, every day saying, we just saw your episode. We just saw your episode from customers or other entrepreneurs who are looking to figure out their way. I've talked to so many because um, they reach out and say, Hey, we have an idea and we don't know how to get it from idea. And I, I mean, that just touches my heart. So I always answer and, and talk and say, you know, I can't talk about your idea. I don't want to hear what your idea is, but I could talk to you about the process. What's been the hardest part of being an entrepreneur for you? Uh, you know, I think that when you want to launch something off the ground and you have a finite set of money, you have to be really careful about where you're going to put that money, you know, and if you throw uh, $20,000 at your website and $6,000 at a graphic designer and, you know, $60,000 at a VA, you know, you don't have money left to purchase inventory. So for me, I always prioritize inventory, which means I have to figure out how to do all the rest of that stuff. And it's not easy. I mean, especially where I'm raising three kids, I'm a single parent, you know, it, I have another business. Um, and I started this off as a side hobby. It, it was funny. I, um, I think it was two years ago and I was shipping out of my kitchen. It was one o'clock at night. I was still preparing orders and my daughter walked by and I'm like, you want to help me with my side hobby? And she patted me on the back and gave me this like 
pitying look and she's like, this isn't a side hobby. I was like, okay. <laughs> she knows, she knows better. Yeah. She, she's uh, like, you're, you're fooling yourself if you still think it's a side hobby. <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about how you uh, are going about assembling? You're probably still in the process of assembling the right people around you, internal, external. Tell us a little bit about your philosophies and the methods you're going about to create a team. Uh, so I have always been someone who flies by my gut in a lot of ways. So if I contact an agency or a service and it just doesn't feel right very early on in the relationship, I don't wait two or three months to figure out that this isn't working. I move on quickly. And I always wondered if I moved on too quickly, but my selling period is so short. It's only from August to January. So I don't have a ton of time to really test agencies like I can't afford to figure out four months later this person isn't going to deliver on what they said they're going to deliver but when I was on Shark Tank after Mark was out they didn't air this and he said you know can I give you a piece of advice and I said sure I'd love advice and he said um, when you hire don't go with the cheapest and when you need to fire fire fast and I was like oh, that's what I do it's good to, it's good to know that like it was really very validating um, so I go with my gut a lot, but I also reach out to resources around me. I'm in this fantastic group um, on Facebook of another 20 mom and dad entrepreneurs. We're all productpreneurs. We all have inventions. Um, it's a four parents, five parents group. And they are such a loving, giving group of people. So we all share resources. We vet together, you know, and, and I really trust um, who I find through them. And uh, after Shark Tank, I was added to a Shark Tank group, which is so very similar, like lots of great resources. And it just cuts out that long journey of, you know, wasting spend on figuring out this person's not going to work. How did you end up getting on the show? Did you apply or did they recruit you? No, I applied three times. This was my third time. Uh, the first time I applied, I made it all the way to the end of the process where they had given me an air date and a flight date and then a week later and I was like you know on cloud nine I'm like I'm gonna be on Shark Tank and uh, a week later they contacted me they're like we're sorry the producers have changed their mind please feel free to apply again last next year and I was so crushed but it was actually probably the best thing that happened to me because I wasn't ready I was still shipping out of my kitchen it was still um, not very scalable. I, I didn't have a lot of things set up that I have set up now. So it, it was so much better that it went on this year than it did than if it had gone on the first year. But no, I, I did some serious begging. Please, please take me. <laughs> what do the next 12 to 18 months look like for the business? What are you focused on? So I'm adding extra products um, that people have been asking for that so far I haven't had the cash to um, to provide like you know i constantly have people looking for something for that zero to six month range so i'm i have some buntings in development that looks kind of like a snowsuit but still works the same way as my car seat coats i'd like to add a lighter fleece jacket so i have all those things in development um, i have expanded into a few retailers in canada uh click which is a um, car seat company in Canada has picked up our line. So we're just kind of expanding in a lot of different directions. And, and then there's a few different conversations I'm having with Damon that are really exciting, but none that I could share quite yet, but all scalable, really cool things. So just really meeting the needs of as many families as we can. 
So now, at the time of uh, taping, you said that 75% of your sales was uh, were uh, online Amazon. Has that changed at all? Has that mix changed? No, it's still mostly direct to consumer. Gotcha. So what's the, you know, for those listening that are, you know, maybe have an idea somewhere in the, you know, the clothing realm, what's this look like in terms of when you're developing something, what's the timeline relative to when it hits the shelf? Like what's your year look like? If you want to sell a winter jacket, when do you have to develop it? When do you have to finalize the, the prototype? When do you go into production? When do you, you know, receive the goods back? It's a long process, man. I mean, when I first got the sample and, and the people loved it on Facebook, I really naively believed that I could find someone who could make and mass produce it in like a month. And boy, was I wrong. You know, getting a pattern made uh, with and having a sample made is something that takes a couple of months, two to three months at least. Um, finding a factory that you want to work with is going to take you at least three to five months uh, between sending the samples back and forth and finalizing. Um, and then when you send in a purchase order to China, even or, or if it's stateside, because I did stateside the first year, um, you can expect that production is going to take five to six weeks. And if it's in China, it's going to take another five to six weeks to get to the U.S. And how long it takes to get to customs is at the whim of customs. It could be two days, it could be two months, you know, it, it is what it is. So it's a long process. So I, for example, typically place my largest order in February with the expectation I'm going to have it by July. So you have to be prepared in this game. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be prepared. <laughs> I was, uh, I don't share this with too many people, but I was in the clothing manufacturing business for uh, three years back in the late 80s, early 90s. And it was the roughest three years of my entrepreneurial life, just trying to keep up with styles and patterns and manufacturing and, and right. um, pricing and inventory. And we were riding that crazy uh, phase, that uh, craze of uh, wild surf and workout pants that happened. I remember that. Yeah. And, and so every single tiny little feature on your on your item of clothing has a different lead time like zippers are six to eight months yeah six to eight weeks buttons are two to three weeks and you want to get them all there it seems it's it's fun <laughs> well my whole family uh comes from the uh clothing manufacturing industry uh both of my uncles uh were production managers for sportswear companies and even with that advisement i did everything wrong so kudos, <laughs> kudos to you i was three years in and out of business and uh, I paid off everyone and, and got out alive, but I know how tough uh, all the logistics are with manufacturing a, a garment. It is not easy. <laughs> it isn't easy, but you know what, when I get messages from, you know, reviews are one thing you ask for a review and you offer a coupon code for a review or you offer something, you know what I mean? Like that reviews are great, but what I, what really keeps me going is messages where parents send them to me unsolicited. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I just wanted to let you know that I wasn't sure if I should buy your coat or not. It was an extra expense. I bought it. And a week later, my son was in a car accident and I'm so glad he was safe and he was dressed appropriately. Uh, hey, I wanted to let you know that my granddaughter never had a coat on because her mom was worried about car seat safety, but I was worried about her getting cold or sick. 
and I got your coat and now my grandchild is safe and warm and I'm so thankful and grateful that you did this. And that just makes me forget about all the hassles that go with all the rest of it, you know? And it just pushes me even more to, I really want to disrupt the market and eventually get to a place where all coat manufacturers are making the coats for the car seat. There really is no reason why coats should be dangerous in the car seat. You know, you think of kids' dangers, you think of sharp things, you think of pointy things, you think of fire, you, high things, stairs, you know what I mean? Coats shouldn't be on that list. Yeah. Well, you're, you're doing some unbelievable work and, uh, you know, it's, you probably, you, you receive some messages, but there's probably another 90% out there that don't write you, but, you know, you, you've saved their life or you, you've prevented a more serious accident. So what a, what a cool way to, uh, to, to make a living and, uh, and, and to be an entrepreneur. Um, where can folks find your product? What's the best place for them to, to buy it or to check out what you do? Um, and then where can they follow you on social media? Um, social media, it's at Buckle Me Baby Coats, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, we're on all of them. Um, I tried TikTok, it didn't work for me. And uh, on my website is www.bucklemecoats.com. Fantastic. Well, we, we so appreciate you joining us. Uh, some great lessons here, a, a really, really cool story. And, you. Uh, you know, hopefully you and, uh, you know, with, with a little bit of a nudge and, and some help from Damon are going to do some really great things moving forward. Thank you so much for having me. We're back. It's the post game. What do we learn? She got the shark that she wanted, Damon. And I learned three things uh, here that I, I, I think are, are critical. And, and first is she, she turned down some money. She wasn't um, willing to accept any investor uh, that walked in the door. Alignment with a strategic investor is very Im important to her. So she's that entrepreneur, Tom, that's willing to say no to money. And we like that. We mm -hmm. like when someone is willing to choose an investor or equity partner that aligns with their values and their vision. So I think that's pretty cool. I think that's a, always a great lesson. It comes up from time to time. We certainly talk to folks who have taken money from the wrong people. <laughs> so second thing, is that she mentioned at one time that uh, at one point that she's not willing to always go with a, the cheapest option or the cheapest vendor. Yep. Um, I think, and you probably don't want to go with the most expensive, making the assumption that it's the best. But I think what she does, and I think a great lesson for our our listeners and watchers are to just go deeper when you when you're looking at an external partner or a vendor or making. Uh, any addition to your business, go deeper, really understand what the value is there, and cheaper is not always better. The last thing is she's willing to fire people pretty quickly, and we like that. There's an old saying, uh, uh, fail failures fast, and that may sound harsh, but she's, she's really willing to move someone out if they're not in the right role, and I think that's a great lesson as well. Yep. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting, the uh, C-suite of these uh, code companies, they just completely blew her off. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it yeah. doesn't mean they're always right. You know, movie studios make movies that are bombs. <laughs> right. Uh, executives, uh, C-suite people, uh, large companies make plenty of mistakes. So, you know, you can't just assume that they're right. 
Uh, and I, I think that's an important lesson. Uh, you know, she relies heavily on the, the Facebook and Shark Tank group she's part of and, and just that peer learning. You know, if you're running a business um, in a bubble on a lonely island, you're missing out on incredible um, learning opportunities from peers. The vast majority of what we go through as entrepreneurs has been went through by other entrepreneurs. Yeah. There's there's not really too many new issues or problems. So would you rather spend six months or six years making mistakes, or would you rather learn from people that have been there and done that? It just you know you got to have peer support. Um, uh, old men are mindset. It's it's great to learn from your own experience, but it's much better to learn from someone else's experience. Well, all your mentors are probably old. Some are in heaven. Oh. That's how old I am. <laughs> well, don't say it like that. You ruined my joke. All right. Um, don't give up the dream. She was at this thing for 15 years, yeah. you know, with the idea. And, you know, it just, yeah, um, yeah you're, you're, you're never too old or it's never too uh, late to start. You know, if you have. Am I too old to start something? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. The, <laughs> this is probably your last stop. I, you know, I bet you it isn't. I bet you it's not I bet either. you I've got three more startups in me. I told my wife that. She's like, yeah, well, what would happen if you weren't doing this? I said, well, we'd go do other stuff. He's not going to stop working. I'm too young. Yeah, you I, don't have I've hobbies. Got, I get. I have no. You, you, I quit you, golf. Yeah. What am I going to do? You, 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 you claim the kind of garden. You cut down trees in your backyard. Yeah. And, and come, and, in, and, come and in with injuries. I hurt myself. I've lost three fingers already this That's year. That's not true. Um I, you know, there was there was that do I like, right? You know, you got to trust your gut on partners. Mm -hmm. You got to move on quickly if they're the wrong partners. You got to just trust people. I, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about, I know sometimes people laugh at us or think it's, you know, just some, some throwaway line, but we constantly say we really only work with nice people um, that we put into our growth 10 groups that we facilitate, um, that we bring on to be practice leaders and build growth 10 groups. We really only work with nice people. And if someone's not nice, um, I've seen Joe and Zoom calls. We've politely told people this probably isn't a good fit. I, I just, why would you want to work with anyone, whether it's a vendor or a business partner or an employee uh, or uh, an investor? Why would you ever want to deal with somebody that you know, your gut says this, this may not be a nice person. And if that's, and I'll say this, okay. If that's your first impression, what do you think happens during turmoil or issues? So someone it that you don't think is better. nice, it gets way worse, right? I mean, yeah. Am I, yeah, and, I, and I think that's just so important. And it's just such a stupid little thing. And that, it's and it's time sometimes, and, and it's money too. But yeah, you're time, right about the time. It's time, and what do you value your time at? Well, and we've had entrepreneurs say, well, you know, this really isn't working, but I'm going to give it more time. Why? What do you value your time at? It, you know, do you assign the proper value to your time and the the and again, that to me is more important than even the money that it's costing you. So great entrepreneur, great product that, that helps people. Uh, this, was a, this was a fun one. Yeah, we love her. It was a great interview. Yeah. Well, you know where to find us on social media, on every podcast uh, channel. Hey, we're also on YouTube. We're over 100 subscribers now on YouTube. And, um, you know, people check out the, the show 100,000? Sure. We're over 100,000 on YouTube, Joe. We'll be at a million soon. Awesome. So, uh, yeah, if you want to check us out on YouTube, you can there. We're on all the social media uh, channels. Hey, do us a favor. Are we on MySpace? 
Is it still around? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll put you in charge of that. I'm big that's, on MySpace. That's how I want you to spend your afternoon. I want you to, to try to find your profile on MySpace and start posting content about... Uh, awesome. You know, you know what I need to do with you? What? There was an episode of The Office where uh, Creed, who's you know kind, oh, of a, kind of a weirdo like you. He is like a you. weird okay. guy. So yeah. they, they, they told him that they were setting him up with a blog, but it was really just a Word document. <laughs> So I need to do that with you sometimes. I'm, am I the creed in Growth Town? <laughs> There's times where <laughs> I thought. It was how about that email? How was, about that email you sent out last night? That uh, hey, please, wasn't complete. Please, I was trying to do three things at once. I think I'm Kevin in the office because I'm always looking for a sandwich. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I want to make you eat broccoli and see what happens. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Every Tuesday, outside the tank. You know where to find us. Have fun. Kick some ass. Be productive. Look us up if we could help you. We'll see you next week on an all-new episode.